Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Manish, the SVP of Corporate Development and Strategy at Cradlepoint. And we discuss the benefits of establishing a private cellular network for enterprise network connections, why it's important to accept the fluidity of culture at a company, and how to establish yourself as a leader when joining a new organization. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I did my undergraduate in computer science uh, in India uh, from an institute called Indian Institute of Technology. And uh, when I was finishing my finishing up my undergrad, uh, in terms of options available to us at that time, we could have could have taken a full time role at a technology company after that degree. Or uh, I had I was fortunate enough to have an option to apply for advanced studies and got a scholarship uh, from a university in, in the United States. I came here uh, to Purdue University, uh, did my master's in computer science. Uh, uh, and again, during that master's, uh, got into uh, wireless technologies, uh, did some research work at, at Nokia Research through an internship. And that's how I got into the networking, networking industry. Uh, after finishing up that degree, uh, I had the option to join Nokia back again, uh, but I wanted to be at a smaller company and there was a company called Juniper Networks which used to be a startup at that time <laughs> which uh, was sort of challenging Cisco uh, was a newer company uh, and they were at the forefront of the routing technologies being developed at that time so I decided to join them uh, work for them for a couple of years uh, on, as part of the engineering team building their biggest routers of that time uh, the internet infrastructure learned a lot uh, then a senior colleague of mine was starting a company in, in Wi-Fi enterprise Wi-Fi. So I decided to join him, uh, was in the Valley, wanted to be part of a startup. Uh, I think everyone in the Valley wants to do that once. So <laughs> I did that. I joined that company and they were three months old. They were just uh, going through their series A round. I was with them for six years, different roles. The company grew, eventually got sold. Uh, uh, and then once they got sold, I decided to quit and, uh, uh, I took a detour. I, I went back to school. Actually, I did my, uh, MBA from University of Chicago, got into uh, corporate development, got into uh, strategic investments, uh, worked for a venture fund for a while, and uh, then uh, ended up coming back to the industry uh, at a company called Aruba Networks. Uh, at Aruba, I, I was the first company I hired there. Uh, I was with them from 2010 to 2015, did a few acquisitions for them, took them in uh, access, uh, access policy and, and security space. And uh, during that time, uh, it, was, it was a really good part of my career. The, the Wi-Fi industry was growing really fast. Uh, Apple had sort of been releasing iPhones and iPads year after year. A lot of enterprises were adopting these devices and they were a very healthy set of problems that enterprises were having to deal with as these devices came either owned by employees or mandated by, by senior execs. And we were solving all these problems. Uh, then in 2015, um, HP Hewlett Packard Enterprise uh, decided to acquire Aruba. They went through that transaction, became part of uh, the networking business unit inside HPE. Uh, I was with them for, for the next uh, four years and then uh, decided to do, do it all over again and <laughs> came to Cradlepoint. Uh, again, a private company, small company, uh, sort of a startup and uh, with plans to grow and sort of build the next wave of mobility. 
what Wi-Fi did to the local area networking enterprises, uh, not the work that we are doing now. We think we have a chance to take that to the next level and um, make mobility possible for larger scale deployments and larger scale use cases. That's what we have been working on, uh, trying to uh, disrupt and develop a new way for enterprises to to make use of uh, wireless technologies. That's really cool. I, I heard you mention in there that you spent a little bit of time at a VC firm. Did you ever think about getting into like fintech after that, or was it were you always itching to get back into networking? Uh, so my, my domain expertise has always been in, in communications and networking, uh, enterprise focused uh, uh, connectivity solutions. Uh, so th- there was that. I did not think about fintech. I, I, I think uh, the domain expertise kept me kept me back coming back to to networking and <laughs> enterprise communications. Nice. So how did you actually meet the team at Cradle Point, and what convinced you to come on board? So when I was at Aruba, I had actually uh, uh, looked at Cradle Point for a potential acquisition. I had uh, uh, looked at the company, talked to the management team several times, uh, and for various reasons, uh, that acquisition could not go through. Uh, so I, I was familiar with uh, with the team and what the company was doing. Uh, and it just so happened that when I left Aruba, uh, I got uh, an outreach from a recruiter about a week outside of that job. So, uh, they did not tell me the name of the company. They said, hey, here's a fast-growing SaaS company that's trying to go public and they, they're looking for someone to come and lead Copter. So <laughs> I spoke to them and that's how the connection to CreditPoint got made. And once uh, I came to know the name of the company, I knew the business reasonably well and it was pretty fast after that. That's awesome. So we also did an episode with Donna Johnson from, from CradlePoint. But for those that may not have listened to that, can you give like the overview of what the company does? Yeah, so CradlePoint is the largest provider of wireless WAN solutions for enterprises. Uh, what it means is uh, for enterprises that want to use cellular technology as a way to connect their assets to, to their backend uh, infrastructure or to public cloud, uh, we provide uh, subscription-based solutions that they can use to connect these assets to uh, to wherever they want to. Uh, the way the product is offered, uh, we sell we sell routers in different form factors uh, that all get bun- come bundled with a cloud-based subscription uh, of a software that allows you to do network management. It allows you to do user policies, some security functions, uh, and manage these routers at scale. As an example, there are customers of ours who have tens of thousands, tens of thousands of these routers that they have deployed in the field, and these customers are able to manage these routers from a single console in the cloud, uh, set policies, uh, monitor them, change configuration, and do lifecycle management, do all kinds of things from a single console. So it makes their life really easy for enterprises that have lean IT stuff, that have distributed locations, that have tens of thousands of IoT devices uh, in the field. Uh, one of our customers is a is a pretty large DVD rental uh, company that has more than seventy five thousand uh, DVD rent, rental machines that are located in other retailers, and CradlePoint provides the connectivity for these machines, so they can manage the connectivity from a single console as opposed to <laughs> trying to manage them on an individual basis. We are also pretty strong in public safety. There are a lot of police organizations, fire organizations, uh, and other fleets. That have a lot of vehicles. They they use use us for connectivity inside these vehicles, and uh, this connectivity has become pretty sophisticated over the last few years. Uh, an average police car has twenty to thirty different IoT devices, from video cameras to scanners to their the software that they use to 
uh, do queries and may, do input into. So uh, it's a pretty high bandwidth uh, kind of a use case and pretty mission critical use case. <laughs> they cannot afford to lose that connectivity. The car is recording, right? Uh, everything that happens around the car 24 uh, seven. So we, we partner with, with a company called Axon and we provide those solutions to police vehicles, uh, a pretty reliable connectivity option when you're on the road outside, outside of a building. And then thirdly, uh, in the fixed branch deployments, uh, for medium-sized businesses, for distributed enterprises where there are small footprint, uh, our solutions act as a pretty uh, useful way to connect because they are real, really easy to deploy. You don't have to pull any wires. You don't have to worry about your, uh, in rural areas, in second tier, third tier cities, for example, you don't have to worry about some tractor <laughs> accidentally cutting your cable and you being out of internet for three weeks. So you don't have any of those problems. The deployment takes minutes. Uh, the management is pretty simple. You can manage everything from a single console, as, as we talked about earlier. And the recovery from failures is pretty good. The other thing that does not get mentioned a lot is uh, in the US, there are more than 2,700 wired service providers. So if you are an enterprise that has hundreds of branches or thousands of locations, then if you want to set up your wired network in these branches, you're negotiating contracts with tens or hundreds of these wired service providers. Whereas if you use cellular, then you have to deal with an AT&T or Verizon, one or two of them. Right? So it's pretty simple, easy to manage process on the procurement side as well. So we simplify the connectivity options for enterprises. Our core IP is that uh, we have we have done a lot of work in making sure that these cellular connections stay up. Uh, they are enterprise class and uh, they are secure. So there's a lot of work that has been done around that and that the solutions end up being very usable for an increasing set of enterprise use cases. That's really cool. I'm glad you mentioned at the end your your core IP and, and like where you really differentiate because while it, it sounds like you're leading this kind of uh, like enterprise cellular connectivity thing, it also sounds to me like it's kind of an inevitable endpoint where we're going to end up with lots and lots of businesses being on the same kind of thing just because it makes sense to be able to manage all of your uh, networks in, in one platform, like you said. And I feel like there's going to probably be some more entrants coming in in the in the coming years. But um, yeah, just the fact that, that you've already gotten so far with it uh, sounds, sounds like you're in a pretty good spot. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean... Uh... My, my experience uh, having been on, in the enterprise Wi-Fi space for a number of years is uh, for, for most uh, enterprises, uh, mobility uh, is an advantage. It, it's a significant advantage because uh, if, if you're able to provide connectivity while making people mobile and while making enterprise assets mobile, it provides a lot of advantages to enterprise customers. And that, that's that's what led to the, one of the things that led to the growth of enterprise life over the last two decades. And, and the things that have sort of held back uh, the adoption of cellular technology in the enterprise, those barriers are slowly going away. So as those barriers go away, uh, there's no reason why uh, more and more use cases in enterprises cannot be supported by cellular technology. And that's that's sort of the, uh, the wave that we are riding. Uh, we have uh, a lot of, operating history in this space where, uh, and what, what is called tribal knowledge in the space of what it takes to have make a cellular connection enterprise class <clears throat> to make it really easy to use, to keep it secure, to keep the bandwidth high enough. How do you handle demanding applications? How do you prioritize enterprise applications? Things like that, we've done a lot of work on. And uh, so we feel that 
as uh, the the high level barriers around cellular go away which are which are already starting to go away uh, worldwide we have uh, a good chance of providing an increasing set of use cases for enterprises so obviously working in the cellular space 5g's been like a really big deal for you guys how has it affected your business uh, rolling out to the mainstream uh, so it 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 is still early stage uh, uh, i think 5g will have a lot of uh, impact on on our business as well as uh, the networking industry as a whole and there are multiple reasons for that so uh, one is just the increase in bandwidth and the increase in capacity and what that does is it allows operators to offer data plans which are uh, high bandwidth high throughput kind of data plans uh, with the higher or maybe no data caps right so that what that does is for enterprises even the use cases that require more bandwidth than what is currently possible actually become possible and uh, once the, once they become possible then it is uh, it is mobility trumps <laughs> having a fixed connection right so uh, if you recall uh, the enterprise wifi analog then back in 2002 2003 time frame when we had 802.11b the bandwidths were pretty low and people were still trying to use wifi but it was not as prevalent as as what it became later and one of the things one of the reasons why it became prevalent later was because technology kept on evolving there was more bandwidth available and uh, before people realized uh, what they what most enterprise started finding was 90% of their traffic was going over wifi so even though they had they were investing a lot of money on their wired switches and wired infrastructure but people were not using it people were on wifi uh, a similar thing is is happening here which is uh, if you have an option of of a cellular connectivity that is good enough or that allows you to deploy uh, our kind of products to connect people and assets then we see that enterprises prefer that option over having a wired connectivity there are, there are multiple advantages that they get they can move capacity around and mobility has a lot of advantages and so they 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 want to take use of that so what are some use cases that are going to be made possible as 5g technology develops Uh, so fi- a fixed branch is is a big one uh, what has happened traditionally is uh, for most of the branch connectivity and office connectivity there is a wire that gets pulled in uh, either from a comcast or some other cable operator there is a wire that gets pulled in and that's how you get your uh, internet connectivity in offices with uh, 5g there is uh, an option of having that primary connectivity be provided by cellular so you can have you can buy a subscription from AT&T or Verizon uh you can deploy a cradle point like router and you have an enterprise class uh primary router that uh takes care of all of your wan connectivity and it comes with the same set of uh, security technologies it comes with the same uh, same set of management technologies that allow you to manage uh tens of thousands of branches from a single console and what that does is it removes a lot lot of complexity from the network you your inst- your cost of installing these devices is much lower your cost of maintaining and operating these devices over the life cycle of the devices is much lower uh, if you are an organization that is what we call lean it organization we don't have tens or hundreds of folks in ip in it to manage these networks then our kinds of solutions uh, are, are pretty attractive because you can manage a pretty large scale network with two or three people which is uh, which is what we are seeing so many of our customers do and they get attracted to us because of that and that's one and then of course uh, 5g has an impact on uh, high bandwidth uh, uh, demanding use cases inside campuses and factory floors and inside the buildings as well 
and and that is uh, that is led by the development of this uh, 5G slicing and private cellular networks and other uh, land technologies that are developing right now, uh, which, uh, which which sort of increase the value of 5G for enterprises. That's awesome. So when you're thinking about between like cellular connections and fiber, do you think that eventually one wins or there's use cases for both forever? I think there'll be use cases for both, at least for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just like there have been use cases for both wired and wireless uh, on the IP side, right? For both Wi-Fi as well as wired switching. What we saw over time is users prefer wireless over wired. And therefore, uh, an IT preferred wireless over wire. So a, a similar kind of transition will happen here as well. Uh, to the extent that the barriers that ex- have existed historically around cellular get removed, and there are efforts being made to remove those barriers, uh, to the extent that uh, the data plans from operators become more and more enterprise friendly, uh, we, we will see the enterprises adopting cellular to a much larger extent than, than what they did historically. That's really cool. So one thing that I've seen on on the Cradle Point website is the term private cellular cellular networks. And I'm my my base knowledge of of networks in general is like not super high. So can you help me understand um what a private cellular network is? Absolutely. So if you if you think about it uh, from an enterprise perspective, uh, historically they have had two kinds of wireless available to them. Right? So they can connect their devices wirelessly through a wireless LAN, which is uh, an IEEE-based uh, technology, which is a contention-based technology. It's a, sort of a derivative of Ethernet and that operates over unlicensed spectrum. Uh, there are multiple spectrums which are all unlicensed and anybody can set up a network, create a Wi-Fi network and start broadcasting stuff on that frequency. Uh, there are pros and cons of that technology. Uh, and of, of course, uh, because the advantages are so amazing over having a wired connection that in the last two decades, a lot of work has been done to uh, get over the limitations of that technology as it existed uh, two decades ago, uh, as well as improve that technology significantly. Right? So uh, you know, Wi-Fi today is very different from what it was when it started. And it's a pretty, it's a it's a very big success story in terms of adoption of technology in the world. So that's the one, that's one option that enterprises have had. And, and the second option that they have had is the public cellular connectivity, so which is when you get outside the building, uh, if you want to connect, then cellular is sort of your only option. Uh, and you use uh, the operator built uh, cell phone towers to connect to the macro network. And that's how you get internet connectivity. That's how all of our cell phones get connected, right? What is missing is uh, something in between because the technologies are built upon a different stack, uh, there are inherent advantages that LTE and 5G have over contention-based technologies like Wi-Fi. However, because the spectrum has always been owned by operators, enterprise have not had a chance to build an enterprise-class network that is in their control that they can manage like an enterprise network and sort of take advantages of the base technologies with the control and policy that they can they can put over it. And that is changing recently, and that's what is called the private cellular network. The idea here is to uh, have a networking technology that takes away some of the limitations that exist with Wi-Fi, but at the same time takes away some of the barriers that have existed over cellular. And the way it works is 
uh, in the US, for example, and there is a, a standards body initiative for the past few years called CBRS, which is Citizens uh, Broadband Radio Service, where the FCC freed up a set of frequencies, a spectrum between 3.5 to 3.7 gigahertz. And they said, uh, this spectrum, we will not auction to, uh, <laughs> to the standard operators. What we'll do is we'll make it lightly licensed, where there are three categories of how you can get access to those frequencies. But once you get access to the frequency, then you can own and operate it like a private network. So uh, one one part of that frequency is, is sort of like a, a rental, right? So you can you can send a query to a central authority. You can get access to that spectrum for a for a period of time. You can transmit over that frequency. You can create a network, create your own wireless network, and when you are done, you release the frequency back to the back to the central authority. And that allows enterprises to create a wireless network that uh, has a bigger range outdoors, for example. So you can have a wireless network that can span a few kilometers uh, or a few miles, which was not possible with Wi-Fi. The range for LTE outdoors is much larger than the range for Wi-Fi. And for indoor, uh, there were environments that used to be RF challenged uh, with Wi-Fi. These are heavy metal, high metal environments. These are older buildings. These are situations where the Wi-Fi signal propagation was not that good. And uh, LTE has bigger, better signal propagation characteristics in, in those environments. So for those kind of environments, you can uh, now create a wireless network that uh, has good signal strength that allows you get another option to, to build a wireless network. And we are seeing adoption in, in, in multiple areas um, for PCNs because of these advantages that it has uh, over other wireless technologies. First question I have is, um, so do you only need control over that specific frequency to create the network and then it's and then it's there and it exists for you? Or do you need the frequency the whole time you're using it? Uh, so think of it as, as a channel, right? So the frequency that you acquire, you're getting a channel to transmit uh, data on. Yeah. And uh, to the extent that you have rights to use that channel, you can transmit on that channel. And then once you are done, you can hand it or hand it back to the pool. So this is very similar to how our devices get IP addresses, right? So we, we whenever, it, whenever you boot a laptop, it does a query to get an address. And there is a DSCP server that gives it an address and it has a, a time expiration associated with it. And after that time, it either renews or it lets go of that IP address. So it's a similar concept here. Uh, anyone who wants access to a channel requests a central SAS authority to get a channel. And once they get a channel, they can use it. Once they are done, they can release it back. Okay, cool. So that would be like if I, I'm in like a executive suite office building here in Orlando has like a ton of people, a ton of different like companies rent here. And if they wanted to provide like a private cellular network, they would set that up at like a nearby cell tower. And then it would basically provide blanket connection for the the area and like whatever buildings they have in it. Is that correct? So uh, you would not have to use uh, the cell towers of the okay. public operators. Uh, the deployment will be very similar to how uh, how Wi-Fi works in, in your building. So, so you, someone would come and install those access points that go on the ceilings. There would be indoor and outdoor versions of those access points. And those access points will be transmitting over those frequencies that, that you get from SAS. So it would be the LTE access point instead of a Wi-Fi access point. Okay, cool. It will be completely enterprise-managed and enterprise-controlled. Uh, you do not need to work with the CSP for that for that model. 
Now, this this is a US specific model. Right? So similar models exist in other countries as well. In some countries, like Germany, for example, there is an option where an enterprise could lease a spectrum from an operator. So you could go to uh, AT&T like operator there, uh, the leading operators there, and lease a frequency for some time, for six months, for a year, for a couple of years. You pay them a fee and you have exclusive rights to using that frequency. And so you could build a private cellular network, start transmitting on that frequency and because you have rights to that frequency and build your own private cellular network and run your network like that. So a number of automated automotive companies use this for their manufacturing plants for wide area connectivity because these plants tend to be a few miles long. Yeah. And, uh, private cellular offers a very attractive way of connecting these locations. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. So what are some skills that are needed for the IT staff to set up and manage a private cellular network? Yeah, so the, the, I think the industry is going through a transition. Historically, these products have been uh, complex to deploy. And there is a lot of interest in this space uh, that has uh, that is starting to happen after CBR is ratified and after a number of uh, entities showed interest in auction of that spectrum that happened last year. Uh, but what we are seeing is uh, there is a significant simplification of the offerings that is happening for enterprises and a number of startups that are uh, starting to work in this space to simplify the offerings, uh, to make the TCO smaller and so on. Uh, historically, you would, if, if you were trying to deploy this kind of network, you would have to go through a planning process to ensure that you're getting good coverage and good signal strength in every location that you want to provide connectivity to. Uh, you would uh, have to do an analysis of the kind of bandwidth that you want, the number of devices that you want to connect, and what kind of applications you're running. And based on that analysis, you would uh, you would deploy the radios at appropriate locations. You would do some testing around signal strength, and, and that's how the network would be deployed. Other challenges that have ex- existed historically have included having to deal with multiple vendors to set up this kind of network. So you... <laughs> You would get the radios from company one, you would get the core software from company two, uh, and you, then you would get a systems integrator who would come together and try to do the planning piece and try to uh, maybe offer a managed service for this. So it has been uh, less than optimal kind of model, but there is significant simplification going on now. And what will happen in the next uh, year to two years is these products will become uh, really simple to use, very similar to Wi-Fi. And what you'll see is, the large set of channel partners, WARS, that have built expertise in, in Wi-Fi over the, over the last few years will ex- extend their expertise towards building these kind of networks. So for enterprises, it would be a simple matter of connecting with one of these WARS uh, who would have this expertise. The incremental expertise inside IT uh, in the next two years will, will not be significant. It would be, if you, if you manage a Wi-Fi network, then it should be similar to doing this. So how should a company think about deciding between a managed service or trying to set up their their private cellular themselves? Uh, there, are, there are different, there are different uh, things that come into play in that decision. I think a lot has to do with uh, what your core business is and how, uh, how much uh, responsibility slash burden your IT team is willing to take in managing this network, running this network, and debugging problems if and when they happen on this network, right? And, and different companies have different philosophies around that. But uh, what we will see is an increasing number of managed service providers setting up ways for enterprises to consume this as a managed service. And we will also see other enterprises just buy this 
as a product and manage it on their own using their internal IT stuff. I think both the models will be will will be prevalent for for a while. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's. It, I guess it just depends on um, the company and what they need. There's there's always going to be uses for both of those. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, giving back to the community because a little while ago we had on this company called Cactus Group that um, they do custom software development and they're really cool. Their CTO is a really awesome, nice guy. And he's done a lot in his community with like through um, some like ethical hacking initiatives. And he started, he's in Durham, the the city of Durham. He started a code for Durham thing um which is really cool and i i saw on the cradle point website that you guys also have some stuff um with a program called first connect can you tell me a little bit about that yeah so we have a pretty close relationship with uh with with FirstNet, AT&T's FirstNet initiative and uh, as as we talked about earlier we have a lot of law enforcement uh, organizations that uh, use cradle point products for their connectivity needs we are very closely connected to that community and uh, uh, we try to do uh, outside of business work to help uh, help that community <laughs> so that, that's that's what that initiative is about there's a there's a lot of work being done to help widows and to help other families of, of those uh, law enforcement officers and that's what that initiative is about oh that's cool and you said you also um, provide connectivity in like fire trucks and stuff too yes that's awesome I, so I didn't realize um, that the that your technology was able to be used like in a vehicle that's always moving. I I, I guess previously I had thought that um, it it could move around, but ideally it was like set up in a place and stayed. Because um, like Donna was telling me about um, dark kitchens using Cradle Point stuff and how they would set up shop and set up their their connection there. Um, with their cellular network, and then sometimes they'd have to get up and move somewhere else. But um, that, that's really interesting that it that it can be used like in vehicles and stuff too. I imagine that'll be pretty useful um, as self driving cars become more prevalent and you, people are working more on the road. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, for fleets, it's it's, a, it's an extremely useful uh, way to connect. VC. Uh, and because because uh, the difference between using a cell phone and using a cradle point or a cell phone hotspot versus a cradle point like devices, ours is an enterprise class device, right? So it comes with package security, bundled security. It comes with uh, enterprise policies and so on. So I can, for example, take the cradle point router, connect it in my car, and I have an extension of my office network in my car. And uh, we we see enterprises use it in that manner that when people are working from home, people are working from anywhere. They can carry this small device with them and they just need to power it on. It connects to the cellular network and you have an extension of your enterprise network to that location. You don't have to worry about security. You don't have to worry about VPNs. You don't have to worry about any of those things. It all happens automatically. Uh, So from an enterprise perspective, compliance requirements get met. Uh, from From a security perspective, you don't have to worry about user owned devices that are sort of trying to connect to the same network as your enterprise devices are trying to connect. In a home network, for example, if I connect my office laptop to the home Wi-Fi, I'm sharing that network with all of my family devices, right? all of the kids' devices, Netflix, and other high-bandwidth applications. Whereas if I connect to a cradle point, then I have an isolated network that that only uh, is used for, for the 
business reasons. So th- that allows a lot of advantages, and we are seeing customers get attracted to that that value proposition. That you have an isolated network, which is sort of not competing with for bandwidth with other devices that that may be at uh, the home location, as well as you can have your own dedicated security policies on this network. That uh, as enterprise IT, you would not have control over your employees' home networks, but you can have control over this network. Yeah, that sounds. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good solution to um, a lot of like conversations about should employees get like their internet bill covered by the company or like an electric bill per diem when they're working from home um, yeah. or they could just send you a little cradle point router and uh that, that solves that yeah it does and also i mean another advantage is that when you do it from a enterprise it perspective you i mean carriers are uh carriers already have ways for enterprises to negotiate bulk data plans with them, right? So you can use a bulk data plan and you can roll it out to most of your employees and have a pretty economical solution while providing them home connectivity, while taking care of your compliance issues, making sure that the connection is secure, the data is not getting leaked. All of those issues you handle and again, really easy to manage. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to get into a little bit of leadership questions before we wrap up. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, earlier in the interview, you were telling me how you've done a lot in your career, been in a lot of different companies. When you first join a company in a leadership role, how do you establish yourself as a leader at that company? I think uh, uh, so. there are two parts to it. So first is every company goes through a journey uh, from where they started from to where they are right now. And uh, it's really important to respect that, that every, every company goes through a journey and decisions get made because of a reason, right? So uh, my philosophy is that whenever you get into a new role, you got to take some time to understand what the context is for, for the decisions that have been made in the past. And you have to develop trust, right? Uh, you, a leader is only as successful as uh, the team. And so if you don't have the trust of the team, and if you uh, continue to stay as an outsider, you don't have a chance of being successful at the new role. So you, you got to learn, uh, you got to come at it as uh, someone who does not know as much as uh, people who have been with that business for a while and uh, be honest and transparent about what you know and what you don't and be willing to learn. <laughs> that's, that's really, really important. Uh, the second phase of it is, it, it sort of is a, a two-way thing. I think this is where a company culture is really important and different companies um, are at different levels in this. And that culture is of uh, what I call honesty and uh, sort of uh, understanding your limitations and uh, be open to listening to other perspectives. And different companies are at different uh, stages in this, but good companies have leadership teams who are pretty open to new ideas and who are uh, open to a different perspective. And it's really important to evaluate that when you go into a new role or when you go into a new company. Because that kind of a culture is, is a culture of uh, what I call growth mindset. It allows companies to evolve uh, to the next stage because every company goes through problems. Every company goes through challenges. But it's that mindset of being able to evolve, being able to react, being able to improve is, is what drives, I think, successful companies from the not-so-successful ones. Oh, that Man, yeah, that was, that was very... Very good, man. <laughs> you, you had that answer ready, dude. <laughs> so you, you, you were talking about how the importance, how important it is to focus on the culture through through uh, coming to a new company. How do you, what, what's your approach to cultivating the culture at Cradle Point? 
Uh, so we, we uh, historically, I think a lot of the culture in the early stages of the company gets driven by founders and the early employees. So, you, which is why most people say that when you start a company or when you are in an early stage company, you got to be really careful with every hire that, that you make, because you're not only impacting the role that, that this person would do, but you're also impacting the next ten people that would get hired. <laughs> so, so you, you have to be really careful with the kind of people that that you hire early on, and that's what sort of creates the culture at scale. When once you get to and there are different, I think there are different steps that you go through. So companies with less than 50 employees, the culture is really easy to manage. Once you get from 50 to 250 employees, it's a different stage where you got to trust your leaders to build the right culture around them. And then once you get around around beyond 250, then it has to be a corporate initiative. <laughs> so what that means is uh, if you are a growth company, if you are hiring a number of employees, then you got to take time out to ensure that you're educating the new employees and making them aware of what is important versus what is not so important. Different companies uh, have different cultures and different employees come with from different backgrounds. I mean, in general, if they've gone through the interview process, they have, uh, they're pretty strong in their function, right? Uh, but but having an alignment on that culture and continuing that alignment of culture is really important for the company as a whole to be productive. So on our side, what we do is we, we take a lot of effort uh, in uh, continuing external classes, uh, external initiatives where we bring experts inside and uh, create workshops that different teams can partic participate in and try to uh, let culture be something that is built from consensus not having culture be a fixed thing, but something that is an evolving thing that comes out of the people that are in the company at any point of time. So the culture of Cradle Point this year is different from what it was two years ago. And it would be different from what, we'll, what it will be two years from now. As long as the core principles are around that idea of being honest, being transparent, being having a growth mindset, and all of those things, as long as we can get people to agree on those things, I, I think uh, we are on the right track. But we got to be, we got to be very careful in not letting uh, the negative things spread. To sort of stop them early on by being proactive in uh, communicating, by being proactive in highlighting the right behaviors and so on, and making sure that the culture remains healthy. And that we put a lot of effort on that. So, what does that look like in practice when you when you see like a negative? Part of the culture cropping up and you're like oh we, we should stop that what, is, what does that look like uh i mean it's, so we, we try to we try to manage it carefully it's it's not about uh, uh we try to make sure that it doesn't uh, come across as blaming someone right so the way you do that is you continue to enforce the positive things you continue to highlight examples of positive behaviors and uh you continue to caution in, in larger forums uh things that could be negative uh, behaviors and could be causing an impediment to the growth and uh, doing the right thing. So as, as long as you do that, I think uh, people who are on, on the wrong side of the line get the message and uh, they, they're pretty pretty quick and self-directed. Most people want to do the right thing, which is... Which is yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. It's um, because you, you really want to avoid making anyone get defensive because then that's not productive for anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I got one more question for you. What are you learning right now? What what's challenging you? Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so we we are part of Ericsson now. Uh, and, uh, last year we were acquired by Ericsson, and uh, 
inside ericsson uh, we are ericsson's largest acquisition for more than a decade and uh, we have a mandate to build uh, an enterprise business inside ericsson so we have been doing a lot of work in figuring out how that enterprise business should look like uh, what markets we should go after how does cradle point evolve to the next stage in we have been providing van connectivity so far but now uh, we have a mandate to become a bigger enterprise since networking and security business uh, so we are we are doing a lot of work in making that transition happen and then of course uh, 5g is <laughs> is coming <laughs> and is uh, going to impact all of us uh, pretty significantly in the next 3 years so we see that as a as a transformation for for cradle point uh, uh the business if we look at two years ago it used to be primarily north america uh, based company now it's a global company uh, we have more than 1000 employees we're continuing to grow really really fast if we look ourselves 3 years down the line uh, this will be uh, a global company that's providing a broad portfolio of networking and security products to enterprises uh, centered around cellular technology so as 5g becomes more mainstream in enterprises uh, enterprises would think we want enterprises to increasingly look at cradle point as a trusted partner for their connectivity and security needs uh, centered around 5g so there's a lot of work happening around that so that, that's what that's what we spend a lot of time thinking about and uh, evolving our product portfolio around that what does it take for enterprises to trust uh, cellular as a viable way of connectivity for both their local area network as well as their wide area network and how, how do we ensure that we are offering really easy to use simple to deploy solutions that enterprises can use while tackling the barriers that have existed historically around adoption of cellular so you're learning a lot thinking about the future in every direction all at once <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to put it <laughs> all right well before we wrap up is there anything that we didn't get to touch on today that we want to make sure we cover No I mean uh, thank thank you once again for this opportunity I really appreciate it and uh, I I am very excited about uh, being a credit point I think it's it's a once in a once in a decade kind of a transition that we are going because of 5G and it it will have a profound impact on enterprise connectivity and security and I'm very excited to be part of that transition and being able to play a role in making that transition happen Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.